Good morning. Thank you for being with us this morning. It's an honor to have you uh, with us this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you experienced any emotions recently? With 2022 just starting? And with, like, the NFL playoffs this past weekend? Uh, with the cold weather or the late school starts? Um, any emotions? Anger, hurt, disappointment, grief, frustration, anxiety? Did anyone in your family experience an emotion? How were those emotions expressed? We are uh, excited and humbled to be in the last week of our January series called Family Feelings. The Bible has a lot to say about our feelings, and the people in the Bible uh, experienced and expressed deep feelings. Even Jesus, who was at the same time all man and all God, both completely uh, experienced and uh, expressed his feelings. And in this series, we've been hoping to help our congregation understand and celebrate that you and I are fully emotional people, beings, created in the image of God with a full range of emotions. And emotions are not a weakness. And emotions will be expressed in our family. So far in this series, we've covered uh, the emotions of shame, fear, anger, sadness, and today, I'm going to cover the emotion of disappointment. In this series, we want to remind people to pay attention to and recognize their emotions. Having a particular emotion is not a sin. The Bible says, um, do not sin in your anger. It does not say, do not anger, do not be angry. And that's true of each of our emotions. We can express them and experience them fully but we have to stand back and be certain that we don't sin in the expressing of our emotion. We want to explain and remind you that our emotions have been impacted by this broken world and that this broken world and our brokenness can do um, great harm uh, as we express our emotions, harm to ourselves, harm to others, and especially they can harm our family. Two more things about the series. Sometimes we get feedback when we're doing this family series that um, I don't live, somebody will say, I don't live in a family. I don't have a family in my home. But what we want to say is everyone has a family. Maybe it's not the family you dream of. Maybe it's not the family you had hoped for. Maybe you're not living in one place with them, but everybody has, uh, you know, moms and dads and nieces and nephews. And sometimes it's coworkers or neighbors who fill those roles, uh, the family role. And one more thing before I get started on disappointment. If you're struggling with some part of this expressing of emotions, uh, we as teachers and as a church believe very much in therapy and counseling. And um, if you need help finding a trusted counselor, we would love to help you with that. The emotion I'm focused on this morning is the emotion of disappointment. All of us in this world and every family experience disappointment. I can be disappointed by my children when they're little or when they're grown up raising their own kids. I can be disappointed by my spouse or my lack of a spouse. I can be disappointed by my circumstances, by my boss, my, by my career path or a lack of a career path, by my health, by God. I often even disappoint myself. 
The Oxford Dictionary defines disappointment this way. Disappointment, sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. You and I have hopes and dreams, expectations, and when people or circumstances or health do not meet our hopes and expectations, we can experience deep, deep, powerful disappointment. In fact, I'm disappointed right now. It's Tuesday, and I'm giving this teaching to an empty gymnasium because this morning I tested positive for COVID after waking up with a runny nose and a sore throat and no taste or smell. I planned to be teaching this weekend in the gym. It's disappointing because I had so, several important and fun things I was planning this week, and now after I'm done teaching here, I'll go home and be quarantined for five days, and then I'll wear a mask for five more days. As I thought about that, I thought I have so much to be thankful for. I'm not in the hospital. I don't have a high fever. I had some medicine that could mask my symptoms so I could come over and teach in this empty gym. We have a technology where I can do this without coming within 80 feet of a human being. And I have an N95 mask to wear over and back. So many things to be grateful for and be thankful for, even in this land of disappointment this morning. And then I was disappointed with myself for not being more thankful and for experiencing this disappointment. Some of you also are living in the land of disappointment right now this morning. It's hard. I don't believe that there are three or four easy steps to leave the land of disappointment. Some of you have been disappointed for a long time, for decades. Things haven't been as you hoped and expected. Think of the, the couple who's hoping to have children and they can never get pregnant. Think of the person who hoped to live their life with a spouse as a family but hasn't found that spouse. Or maybe they prematurely buried their spouse. Think of the retired person who hoped to um, retire and then travel and see the grandkids who they couldn't see during their working life, and now all of a sudden their health is such a problem they can't travel. Disappointments can be intense and long and complicated, and I simply hope that some of the things I share this morning would be helpful to you. I personally don't usually stay in the land of disappointment for long, but I have had deep disappointments with our family. I'm deeply disappointed that I'm not able to watch Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, who were killed in an accident, grow up. Charlie would have been graduating this year. I may go to that graduation and sit there disappointed. I've been disappointed that my son Jeremy got cancer that has changed his whole life. And then now maybe it's back again. I'm disappointed that a couple years ago we had a cruise planned and your cancer canceled the cruise. As I said before, Jesus experienced disappointment. Uh, Mark chapter 14 is... Uh, 
a chapter filled with disappointment. In fact, Mark chapter 14 takes place in four different places, and in each place, Jesus is disappointed. It takes place, first of all, in a dinner party at Bethany, and then it moves to the upper room, and then it moves to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then the last part of uh, Mark 14 is in the courtyard of the high priest. And in every one of those places, Jesus is deeply disappointed. Take a look at the first location, verse 3. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. You say, well, where's the disappointment? Well, two people are going to be disappointed at this dinner party. The first group are the um, people who planned it and thought they knew how it was going to happen. You see, this woman, who we learn in another place was formerly a prostitute, doesn't belong at the party. She wasn't invited. She's a woman. She doesn't eat with men. She interrupts the plan and the norm of the dinner party and dumps this gift of perfume on Jesus' head. Can you feel the feelings? The men at the dinner tense, frustrating, surprising, and very disappointed. So what did they say? Take a look at what they say. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. What did they do with their disappointment? They got on her case. This was not the plan. This should not have happened. This is wrong. And their safest thing that they could say with Jesus in the room was, it cost too much. They have a lot of other disappointments. But in their hearts, those attending and rebuking were disappointed in many ways. And Jesus was disappointed at their response. Have you ever noticed this? The way other people express their emotions can be one of our biggest disappointments. Have you noticed that? That's what's happening to Jesus in this moment. The way my kid is uh, expressing his disappointment or his emotion is my disappointment. They rebuked her harshly. I think this was a huge disappointment for Jesus. I think Jesus was receiving the gift really well as a very special present you ever been in that place in a family celebration where the fun's just getting started? And you're maybe suggesting a game or telling a joke or giving an unexpected surprise gift? Or maybe you opened a bottle of wine and right away somebody's putting you down. And they're going, that's a dumb idea. I've felt that disappointment. Now let's look at how Jesus handles the disappointment. Verse, verse 6. Jesus says this, leave her alone said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. Jesus protects her. Hey, leave her alone. And then he does something. He reframes the story. He says, she didn't spend too much money. She did a beautiful thing. Notice he did not express his disappointment by attacking the men at the dinner party. Notice he didn't use sarcasm. Notice he didn't raise his voice. He didn't start an argument. He didn't shame or guilt anyone. He didn't do many of the things that you and I do when we feel the ouch of disappointment. Look at verse 9. It's a beautiful thing he does here. I'd never noticed it before I took a close, close look at this. Truly, I tell you, 
And then in parentheses there, this gift she gave me was so amazing, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's what I call reframing. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't spend the money. You shouldn't dump some perfume on Jesus' head. And Jesus says, this is such an amazing, amazing gift. So the first idea I want to bring this morning that might be of help to you as you handle disappointment is this. Say ouch in a healthy way. It's exactly what Jesus did at the dinner table. Say ouch in a healthy way. He didn't use sarcasm. He didn't yell. He didn't escalate. He didn't blame or guilt or shame. He protected the lady and he reframed the picture and said, wow, this is good. Uh, We can do one of two things. We can either let her fly or we can flee, isolate, and push the ouch away. We can ignore it for now. And both are very different and unhealthy responses. And with God's help, we need to do better. For me, I err the second way. I get quiet. I isolate when I feel the ouch of disappointment. I work to not even feel the disappointment. But some of you who are made different, and you just like let her fly and say whatever's in your head right away, you go, how can you be like that, Dave? And I go, how can you be like you are? No, we both are broken in our ways of handling disappointment. Some of you, who more let her fly when you're feeling the ouch, you need to put a rule in your head. I will give myself time and space before I respond at all. I need to think and pray and surrender before I say almost anything, especially if my current habit is to escalate or yell or shame or guilt. I see one poor grade on a report card, and rather than what I've done every time, I've opened a report card with a poor grade. I just take a breath, and I take some time, and I relax, and I ask for help. I get a call for the principal that my kid is in trouble again. I need to take a breath, take some space, and not let the ouch of the disappointment or Let's say your spouse calls again, and they're going to be late for supper. Plus, they forgot to pick up what they were supposed to pick up at the store. Take a breath, relax, ask for help. As I was preparing this teaching, I realized how much I do the other. I ignore the ouch of disappointment. I was picturing how much I ignore it, and uh, on Christmas morning, I went for a walk in the woods. We were all alone on Christmas morning. I don't recommend this as a Christmas morning uh, tradition at all. I went for a walk in the woods and I was in my car and I was thinking about this teaching and I thought, I need to experience some ouch. So I actually took a drive called the ouch drive. And I went in. Parked in Ben Charlie Bailey's driveway. And I thought about him, and I felt the ouch. Because remember what Eric taught a couple weeks ago? If we don't experience the emotion, it's going to come out sideways. And then I went down the street, and I parked in front of uh, 
Mary Beth and Darwin's old house, Bolt's. And I felt the ouch of walking with Darwin and his, end, his life ending too early. Then I drove up by the church here. I live in the neighborhood. And I let myself feel the ouch of transition as I'm, you know, handed off the leadership and it's gone incredibly. But there's still ouch. There's still disappointment. So if you let her fly, give yourself a time out. If you push it off forever, bring it out and feel it. Say ouch in a healthy way. The second location of Mark 14 is Jesus in the upper room of the house with his disciples for what we now call the Last Supper. And he is setting some helpful and correct expectations in advance, which is a huge important step in mitigating disappointment. So the second step we need to do is set correct expectations. Here's Jesus doing it. Mark 14, 18. While they were reclining at table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who's eating with me right now. He's setting the expectation. Hey guys, it's not all going to be well. One of you is going to betray me. And then he goes on, verse 27. Look at what other expect. You will all fall away. So he's still with all the guys in the room. And he's saying, you will all fall away. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And you know what Peter does at that moment. Peter does what Peter always did. He stood up and he said, no, not me, Lord. Not me. I will die with you today. And then Jesus, in verse 7, in verse 30, says this. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, today, tonight, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They had garbage expectations. They thought they could do more than they could do. And Jesus was setting correct expectations. And he was saying, no, guys, get ready. This is what's going to happen. And we need to do this in setting realistic expectations in our families in order to mitigate disappointment. A five-year-old is going to act like a five-year-old. That's just the way it is. A teenager is going to act like a teenager. Don't quote me on that, teenagers. A five-year-old is not going to be joyful about brushing their teeth, probably. Kids will be kids, teenagers, teenagers. Young adults are not going to know as much as their parents. They can't. We've got to set right expectations. And this is difficult. This is really difficult. One of my expectation problems is when we're leaving on a vacation and we had all the kids, and every single time we would start the vacation in a bad way because I would get mad loading the van because there was always more stuff than would fit. And even though I would try to work on my expectations in this regard, I needed to set them better, allow more time. Uh, my wife and I, and uh, actually my son-in-law, two oldest grandsons, two of our grandsons, and myself did nursery at 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve, right in this building. 
it was important that I had my expectations set right. So as I was coming over to the nursery, I thought, whoa, I've got the toddlers. They're not going to be happy at 3 o'clock on Christmas Eve getting left with some strangers. They are not going to have had their nap. They're probably going to be hungry. They're not going to know any of the kids they're playing with. And it's not going to be smooth. So when the first mom brought the little toddler and she started screaming before she got to the door of the nursery, I was like, yep, this is what we expected. So we need to be good about um, setting our expectations. And um, sometimes if we're not, uh, this will happen. Look at the verse 72 here. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. He was disappointed in himself. Here's this son of God I've followed for three years, and I just told this servant girl three times, I don't even know who he is. Completely disappointed in himself. The third location from Mark chapter 14 is um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he was at the dinner party. Then he was in the upper room. Now he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's, here's the prayer. This is one, probably my favorite prayer in the whole Bible. Jesus is on his knees, on his face, in the garden. He's saying this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Daddy, he's saying, you're big, you're strong, you're awesome, you're all-powerful. Everything is possible for you. Come on, take this cup from me. That's what I want. And then here's the awesome part. Yet not, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, Jesus does this third thing. He, uh, he, he, we need to say ouch in a healthy way. We need to set correct expectations in our family. And we need to surrender our total self to God, just like Jesus did. It's okay when we pray to tell God our desires. Yes, Jesus modeled it so well. Yes, Father, I desire this. I desire this. But then both in the Lord's Prayer and in this prayer in the garden, he says, but your will, not mine. We need to surrender our total selves to God. Jesus does it. You and I need to, when we fail in expressing disappointments, we just need to bring our total self to God and surrender our total self. We just need to surrender. More and more, I'm seeing surrender is just such a key part of my walk with Christ. And then Jesus models one other thing right here on his face in the garden. And he models this idea of taking the next step. This is the verse that, uh, take your focus on your next step. Let's go back to that uh, in the garden. Yeah, Jesus had just prayed that prayer. Something happens inside of him. It's hard for me to grasp what all happens inside of Jesus. And then he says, enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Come on, guys, rise. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. So one minute he's on his face in the dirt, saying, Father, take this from me, but I want your will. 
Then something happens inside of him. And then he says, hey, there's a next step to be taken right here in the midst of my disappointment. Hey, guys, let's get up. Let's go. Here comes the betrayer. Let's get this thing going. Unity Point Healthcare did a feature article in a newsletter on Danielle Mason, an Orchard Hill attendee, and a part of the Mom's Morning Out program, and a good friend of my daughter, Am, and my wife, Linda. Danielle has stage four breast cancer, and cancer in a lot of other places, bones, brain, blood. Danielle is a wife and mom to three kids. And I want to read a quote from Danielle, which was in the article, that got mailed to a lot of our houses. And it says that Danielle has been an inspiration to the cancer community at the Cancer Center. An inspiration to the doctors and the nurses, and my wife and daughter and mom's morning out and many of her friends. She's been an inspiration. But listen to her quote, because it basically summarizes my teaching. Here's what Danielle said. I feel like you have to stay positive. I can't go down that negative rabbit hole. So when I do get down and discouraged and disappointed, I take a moment and I acknowledge it. And then I just kind of move on forward and develop a plan to take steps. What does she do with her disappointment? She knows she has to stay positive. She knows she can't just live in the land of dis disappointment. So when she gets down, she takes a moment to acknowledge it and feel the ouch of the disappointment. She has correct expectations. I know Danielle has surrendered to God this whole thing. And then she says, what's my next step? Let me ask you, if we can go back to the four uh, things, is there one of these that God would have jump off at you today? Is there one of these that you say, this is where I should put my focus? I need to say ouch in a healthier way. I need to step back and set a little more correct expectations. I need to get better at surrendering to God. Or I need to make a plan. And know what the next step is. I don't know what God might be saying to you, but uh, it's my hope and prayer that uh, something from this would be helpful as you uh, live in, experience the land of disappointment and uh, then uh, move out of that land as best you can. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. Father, you created us as emotional beings. We have a whole span of emotions, and they are a gift from you. They make life fun and full. They help us experience the world that you've given. They teach us things about ourselves and our world. Handling disappointments can be very, very hard. 
I know. Lots of folks here know. We pray. We pray that you will uh, be with us and that we will respond in some way like Jesus did. Hey, here's my desire, but Father, we want your will. In Jesus' name, amen.